Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. So what if that tough-sounding class your child is taking to get college credit really isn't so hard? Or what if you want a better option for your student? Will the government make it harder or easier for your child to get into a charter school or another option? A lot of hand-wringing going on about the state of education over the past couple of years, both locally and nationally. And uh, So when it comes down to the policy side, local policy, federal policy, is it making it tougher for your student to get the best education possible? That's the question we want to get to today. Rick Hess is the Senior Fellow and Director of Education Policy Studies at the American Enterprise Institute. He's had two great pieces in the Dispatch, the Dispatch.com, over the last little bit uh, that I wanted to dig into today. Rick, thanks for joining us. Hey, my pleasure. Good to be here with you. Uh, so let's let's start first with some of the charter school issues going on out there. The Biden administration uh, has uh, sort of targeted charter schools in some interesting ways over the last little bit. Tell us about it. Uh, sure. Uh, charter schools have been with us for about 30 years. They started in Minnesota in 1991. They've been embraced by both Republicans and Democrats uh, up till now. The Biden administration... Uh, is doing everything it can to make it as difficult as possible uh, for new charter schools to get started uh, by tapping into the uh, $400-odd million uh, federal uh, charter school program. Uh, They are, in particular, asking that charter schools, in order to get funding, um, explain that they won't have any impact on the local district schools. Of course, if you want a charter school because your local district schools aren't doing a very good job, you would expect your charter schools to have an impact. That's kind of the point. Um, All of this starts to raise a lot of questions about exactly what the Biden administration is trying to do and who it's trying to please. Yeah, and that's a, an interesting thing. Uh, innovation of any kind is is always going to uh, to upset a few and step on a few toes. Uh, I used to tell my staff, uh, if you don't want anyone to step on your toes, just just lop your toes off before you come in because we're gonna we're gonna <laughs> do that all the time because that's how you get better. Uh, and so, what are some of these rules in terms of uh, of who qualifies, who doesn't? Uh, it seems a little vague and seems very bureaucratic uh, in terms of how this might play out. Yeah, yeah, all of this is true. And this is one of the reasons why I'm someone who prefers to keep Washington farther away from schools to the extent that we can. Um, 
But this is a federal program started back during the Clinton administration, so it's coming up on 30 years old, in which Washington provides money for schools in the states uh, to help get charter schools uh, up and running. Uh, this is because charters don't have the same kind of access to bond issues and facilities dollars and local funds as traditional district schools. So there's this pot of about $440 million. Right now, to tap into it, um, prospective charters have to make the case that they're going to be good schools. They've got to have their financials in order, and they've got to have a strong plan. What the Biden folks want to do is add a whole bunch of new regs. Uh, they want to require a whole bunch of statements about projected uh, socioeconomic diversity of these schools. Now, if you're opening up a school in, say, Washington, D.C., or Chicago, or Los Angeles, because um, a whole lot of families are frustrated with what is on offer, there's a very high chance that your student body is going to be overwhelmingly black or Latino in some of these communities. Mm. You'd think the Biden administration would say, well, geez, if these all these families are being poorly served, most important thing is to let them have an access, uh, well, let them have an option of them access to a school that will serve them. So, nope, instead, this becomes a problem under the new regs. Mm. Uh, the Biden administration, as I mentioned, uh, wants an adverse impact statement. A charter has got to make the case that the local public school district and everybody else won't be affected by them coming online. Uh, as uh, University of Arkansas professor Bob Maranto has put it, this is like Honda has, ha having to ask General Motors for permission to set up a factory somewhere. Yeah, um, They have issued new directives around for-profit providers. So school systems, because they don't do everything, always contract with for-profit companies to do lunches, sure. uh, to help out with buses or transportation, to supply computers. Well, the Biden administration wants a whole sheaf of documents justifying uh, charters' decision to use all manner of for-profit providers. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, what you wind up with is it already takes, it's been estimated upwards of 2,000 hours to get the paper in order to try to get a new charter school launched. Um, what the Biden folks apparently want to do is see how high they can, how, how, how much higher they can drive that total. Uh, and that, that is always a problem with the regulatory regime is, is when it goes too far, then suddenly you're, you're protecting the big, the bloated and the bureaucratic, uh, because they, they can afford to have an army of, uh, of accountants or lawyers or whatever it is that they need to, to count and assess and, and do the paperwork on. Uh, and that always leads to mediocrity, always leads to poor service for the end customer, regardless of, of what it is. But I think it's especially applicable uh, in education. Uh, I want to shift gears now, and I want to go to a, a second piece that you wrote uh, that just caught my eye, and, and it gave me a good check chuckle, because I, I always laugh at, you know, who's in charge of the naming department and the branding department. Uh, and there there have been a lot of very rigorous uh, courses out there uh, for high schoolers to take, to get them ready for college or to get some... Uh, credits before they show up on campus, uh, and you took a good look at this. And uh, are some of these rigorous courses uh, rigorous, or are they something else? <laughs> yeah, the uh, the National Assessment of Educational Progress, the nation's report card, uh, came out with a new analysis of the last ten years. And what they reported at first might sound like good news. They said, "Hey, kids are taking uh, more tough classes." 
Uh, the percentage of kids completing advanced classes had jumped from 60 to 63%. And they said even better, kids are getting higher grades. Uh, the average GPA, or grade point average, uh, was up to the highest ever reported, about 3.1, 3.2. Uh, the downside, turns out kids know less on the national assessments of, say, science and math today than they did 10 years ago. So you've got a story of kids taking harder classes, getting better grades, and knowing less, which has got to raise some questions about what exactly are those grades being given for and how much should we trust kind of the uh, the labels on those classes. Yeah, that that is such a uh, an interesting one because it, it, uh, I'm just one of those firm believers in outcomes. <laughs> what what are the outcomes? And now I am I am going to make a prediction here for you, Rick, and that is that somebody in Congress is going to introduce the "We Shall Have Tough Classes" Act, uh, <laughs> and every class will have a very hard name, uh, something rigorous in front of it. Uh, but we have to get to those. We have to get to those outcomes, uh, or we're we're really just uh, kind of doing the window dressing thing if if better grades and tougher sounding classes i think isn't going to help us uh on the world stage in terms of a very competitive global marketplace uh what else are you watching for uh in the months ahead as it relates to education that we should be keeping our eye on yeah you know i mean I, so i think part of it the, the, this charter school fight that we were just chatting about is going to be playing out over the next couple of months mm. um these proposed regs there's now a chance for the public to weigh in Obviously, what's going on is the Biden administration is courting its base, particularly the teacher unions. Um, but there is a lot of school reform Democrats and moderate Democrats who are none too happy about this. And I think one of the really big fights as we look towards the fall, um, especially with the Biden administration taking on so much water, um, is whether you're going to see pro-charter school Democrats um, more traditional Democrats, particularly in the Latino and, and black community, are standing up and saying, look, we're not going to let you sell out our schools and sell out our kids to keep the unions happy. Mm. You've already given them CD, control over CDC guidance on reopening. You've already put more than $100 billion in the ARP, in, in the uh, recovery program, uh, into schools. Uh, you've done enough for the base. And I think the real question is going to be, like in some of these cultural debates, around gender issues and around critical race theory, but also on things like charter schooling, uh, are we going to see more centrist Democrats reasserting themselves? Oh, fascinating stuff. Rick Hess, Senior Fellow and Director of Education Policy Studies at the American Enterprise Institute. Uh, Rick, always appreciate your perspective. Great insight. We're going to step aside for a quick commercial break. Obviously, a lot of focus on the Supreme Court. We're going to go to one of the current justices, Amy Coney Barrett, had some interesting to say, things to say about civil discourse. Find out what that's about coming up next. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.